Hello and welcome to the AIM podcast, Data Talks. Today we have Matt with us, Matt Smith. Uh, we're going to be talking about redundant, obsolete, trivial data. I'm the host, Chris, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Does everyone know what what or not means, or is this is this something specific to you? It's becoming more prevalent the whole rot or not. So if you do a search for it on Google, you'll find quite a few blog posts where people are talking about it. But rot or not is is basically a question that you have to ask yourself about a particular piece of data or all of your data. Is it rot or not? And what the rot stands for? It's an acronym. So it's redundant obsolete or trivial data. So it's stuff that my business doesn't need in order to run effectively. Mm. And I assume that the reason a lot of this problem exists is that how a lot of businesses, organizations have organically grown Mm. and your tendency is just to keep everything, just in case. Yeah. I'll I'll keep this and I'll keep this. And you have duplications and I've seen this in all different areas where I've worked before as well, is that you end up having, it's not just a problem of like you've got so much data that you're keeping, but also you've got so much duplication in the data. And, yeah. and then you end up having, I've had this with my, um, my security clearances, is that there are multiple Christopher Hills and multiple uh, records being kept for me and everything's just kept just in case. Mm. And so when people are verifying things, they don't know which record, which Christopher Hill, they're getting confused. What other issues in terms of, that's something that I've seen, but what other issues have you seen in that retention being a problem? Yeah, I mean, the the retention of data for like unnecessary reasons certainly certainly makes the rock problem bigger. Um, I think maybe what I'll do, shall I go through and just tell you what the R and the O and the T stand for? Yeah. yeah, Because some, some of that definitely gets worse by the mentality of we need to keep everything. But there are other reasons as well, right? Why the, why the rot problem increases in size. So, so the R then is redundant. So what does redundant data mean? That's, that's your duplicates that you're talking about, basically. Mm-hmm. So a good example being, um, let's say I've got a customer relationship management system, my sales system. And uh, my colleague, Graham, he's spoken to Joe Bloggs about a bit of software thereafter. So we create Joe Bloggs as a contact in there. I have the same conversation with the same Joe Bloggs a couple of weeks later, and I create the same contact record in, in that system, but I don't check to see whether Graham's already done it or not. I've now got two Joe Bloggs, and that's kind of the issue that you're talking about with your clearance. Mm. So not checking data when you're creating it and not having systems that do the check automatically mean that naturally you are going to get some duplicates. I mean, we use Salesforce, and that's really good. If I try and create Joe Blogs, it'll say, do you mean this one? And it'll, it'll allow you to like merge data together. So Salesforce does a great job, actually, of, of trying to stop redundant data from entering itself, stopping it at source. So that's really useful. And then another example of redundant data is, um, and I do, do this quite a lot, where I've got like a template of a document or a document that I've already used, and let's say it's like a slide deck for a presentation. So it's for customer A. And I'm having a demo with customer B tomorrow. So all I do, copy and paste that that document. 
Uh, but maybe that demo doesn't go ahead. And so suddenly I've actually got two copies of the same document and one of them isn't of use. I only need one of those documents in order to, to, to use it as a template in the future. So redundancy builds up really easily. The, the obsolete is basically stuff that's like no longer in use. Maybe it's been superseded. So it's like you've got a version of a document, version one, and then somebody comes along and they update it to version two. You know, the argument is, should you keep both copies for audit purposes? Or actually, should you just keep version two now? Because one of the problems with ROT is that people are finding like old versions of stuff and then using it because I think it's the most up-to-date version, but it's not. I've got like five of that presentation yeah. when I'm working on mm -hmm. uh, because I'll do silly things like I want to keep one slide and one thing and then I'm actually, oh, no, I need, to, I need to make this more clear. But I want to keep that stuff because I, I put stuff and effort into that, so I'll keep that. Yeah. And then I make a new one and then that process repeats. I think I've got like five of them now where yeah. I've kind of gone, you, you're trying to like, oh, I want to throw certain things away because I need to kind of make this clearer or whatever, but I have this hoarding mentality. Yeah. I have that like in life as well. I don't like throwing things away. So I've got so many clothes that do not fit me that I just haven't accepted. Yeah. Um, but I guess that also, you know, goes over into kind of data and just life and work life and stuff. Yeah. Um, so then you've got five copies of, of when actually you could have just do with one. And like Office 365 is great because if you had stored your document on OneDrive and you were using like versioning of it, mm. then you can go back to previous versions. So it's not like, you know, you've got, you've got your five versions of your copy that are on your like laptop hard drive, let's say, because maybe you want to go back to pre previous version. Well, you can now do that just by having a single file that's hosted on your OneDrive. You can go back to previous versions, but you've got the one document. Mm. What is, I was going to ask, is there, um, is this something that is going unnoticed to a large extent within companies? And, and what is it, if it is, what are, what are the things that are, because a lot of times organizations, companies, they'll do the thing, they'll just do what works. Mm -hmm. until it doesn't work and then something happens to just kind of get in the way of yeah, that. Yeah. Are there any examples of where this is this is culminating and then resulting in something that goes, oh, Dad, we, know, we need to change now? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a creeping issue, let's say. Um, just, just before I go on to that, I'll just cover off the T. So oh, yeah, sorry. So, so those are like personal files. Mm. I, I don't know, I'm interested in downloading Adele's new album, so I'm going to download that. Or I want to watch a film, so I'm going to download a film and just keep it on my work, work laptop or whatever. That's your trivial stuff. So files that just literally have nothing to do with the data running of, of the organization. Maybe like party invitations I'm sending around to people. That type of stuff's your trivial. So that's your redundant, obsolete, and trivial. And it is a creeping issue because, I mean, in, in one way it's growing slowly and in other ways it's not. So if you look at the rot issue, it, it, it usually represents around a third of all data within an organization. And a third? Yeah. And then when you consider that data volumes within organizations are growing ex exponentially year mm. on year, and you know, if I'm a major car provider, I might have 100 petabytes of data. So you can imagine a third of that being a considerable amount of rot. And yeah, but people don't really know about it until it causes them an issue. So either it's, ca it's caused them an issue in terms of, well, actually, I'll come on to what those issues might be. It's caused them an issue, and it's, it's then prompted 
you know, the, the CTO or, or whoever, or the DPO, to then take a look at their data. Um, or you've got a forward-thinking CTO or DPO who just knows about this issue and has decided to investigate it. Now, the issues that it causes you, some of them are sort of more apparent or, or become apparent quicker than others. So one of the issues is, and it's kind of, kind of your example where you've got five versions of the same document. If you've got so much rot, how can you expect your employees to find what they're looking for? So if a third of it is just rubbish or it's, it, it's redundant, obviously, or trivial, and I'm looking for um, yeah, your file that you've created, it, it, that causes a problem because it's harder for me to find what I'm looking for. Now, is that issue going to get seen or felt by a business? Probably not. If my productivity drops by like 1% because I can't find the most up-to-date document within five minutes, you know, maybe it takes me 10 minutes to find it, is that going to make its way up to the CEO? Probably not. But it is something that certainly happens. Productivity can be impacted by just not having cleansed relevant data. A third, I wasn't, I, I didn't realize a third was how mm. how big it is. And as you say, <clears throat> the exponential data growth. And I would have thought also like moving towards cloud and stuff. Yeah. It's going to be a much more noticeable problem because if you go back and take the legacy way of doing things, you know, you're a small business or, or whatever, you, you might you may have, you know, some servers in the back room and you've got your own setup and stuff. As people start migrating more and more towards the cloud, mm. it's going to be a lot more obvious when you're paying, you're literally seeing that that bill come in for yeah. what you're paying for. Maybe maybe still people won't you know won't notice. It's one of those things that you you don't humans don't really um, we don't really think about the things that we avoid. I don't know how to how to phrase that, but it's you look back at things in life that something goes wrong in your life. You go, oh, if only that thing hadn't happened. Yeah. You don't think about those moments in time where you were, you managed to avoid something happening. It's probably so many of them as well. Yeah, no, you just no, no, you, you don't you don't focus on that. So I think people naturally don't. There's no there's probably less of a reward I would have thought in a person who who is um, forward thinking about these problems. Uh, it, we we end up just focusing more on like the negative sides of things when you when you don't. If that makes sense. Yeah, so the, the problem happens. Mm. There's a there's a there's a huge you know something happens in the in the I don't know. Can't think of an example of hand, but with this, with the rot knot, someone doesn't do something, then then everyone reacts and points the fingers. But you know, there's less, I guess, less people out there who are actually actively thinking ahead of time. Well, that's it. And those are the the, the two types of issues you've got: are the, are the creeping issues that yeah might impact productivity by half a percent or whatever. Um, you've then got the more immediate issues. So let's say because of the the rot growth and a lot of rot contains what we call PII so personally identifiable information or personal health information personal financial information for example a lot of rot are those types of things that can really sting you from like a GDPR yeah especially health stuff I would have thought there's certain I mean off the top of my head there's there's a lot more legislation surrounding like biometrics and stuff than just general general personal information so I imagine that, that that's something that people have to really yeah. think about. And so even if that's a small amount of rot, because, because like having this rot within your organization just makes it harder to see what you've got, the, the type of data that you have. So you could be hoarding PII data unnecessarily. And if there was a data breach or you know whistleblower or, or somebody 
and it was found out, therefore, that you do have this PII or that PII got out into the public, then you could face a fine. And that's the, that's the type of thing that then causes people to take action, of course, because it's like, wow, gosh, we've got a fine for £50,000. Yeah. If only we spent £20,000 to mitigate this risk. How do you how do you convince people of of that? I mean, that's it's some of the stuff I've been doing recently. Kind of, that's a part of it. Mm. And then it's it's if you have a solution, how do you how do you go to a customer or or a company or someone and and um, without trying to like you know fear monger, how do you convince people that look, this is a this is a problem and and you know here's how you solve it. What's the what's the, what's the strategy to that? I mean, yeah, it's certainly like money. Will naturally come into it because every solution has a cost whether that's paying a consultant or buying some software and sort of maintaining it and all that but the, you then got to compare that against the size of the risk that you're mitigating against so you can say look you're, you're a company of a certain size and you can actually calculate what your maximum uh, fine would be I can't remember the details, but it's you know a certain percentage of your annual revenue. It's gone up now, hasn't it? Yeah. Since I think 2018, it's gone up. Yeah. So you can say, look, this is the size of your issue. Let's say a third of your data is rot, so you've got 33 petabytes of rot. And then even if half a percent of that is PII data, and it's sitting in a jurisdiction, geographical jurisdiction, or it's sitting in a system that isn't permitted to hold that type of data, and then it gets out, then then you could face this fine. And so you therefore put together a business case and say, look, it's this is this is the, the extent of the issue. This is how much you could pay to make it go away. Um, that, I mean, admittedly, that is the fear-mongering side of things. But I don't think it's fear-mongering per se if it's... Justified. It's justified. Yeah. You're looking at the real facts. But then you also layer on top of that the, the productivity improvements that I mentioned. So... You know, people finding um, the old version of your document and using that in presentations rather than the latest one. That could impact sales, that could impact reputation. But also if it just takes you longer to find stuff because you've got 33% of it is rot, then that's good productivity improvement. But but that's the, the productivity improvement isn't the the match that starts the fire, if you know what I mean. Um, that that's either, as I say, a forward-thinking sort of CTO or DPO, or something drastic happens like a fine. But then, yeah, the, the third thing that you then sort of layer on top of that is, as you say, storage cost. So, yeah, if, if you're paying for some sort of cloud-based high-speed SSD storage and you're paying, I don't know, 100,000 pounds a month for it, and a third of it is rot, then you can quite easily calculate what your monthly savings are going to be from mm. just getting rid of that data. So there's a there's like a compliance side of it, there's a productivity side of it, and then there's your your literal cost saving. So as opposed to avoiding a fine, you will literally save X amount per month per year. It's actually a very easy business case to put together because mm. it's it's got those three elements to it. So what are the what are the things that people are doing to solve this? What's the you know, the problems and stuff? Well. Most people aren't doing anything right. to, to solve it um, because it's it's a relatively new, new thing. And I think it's because the, the methods of locating and doing stuff with this data, they, they haven't quite been there in terms of like software. You have to literally hire a consultant or, or 10 to sift through your data manually. 
Um, and the issue with that approach, of course, is that even if you get rid of all the rot by doing a sort of manual process, it's going to come back because you haven't put any steps in place to stop it from coming back. You just turned off the tap, as it were. Or no, you haven't turned off the tap. You've just emptied the bath. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the tap's still running, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, so what people are doing about it, it isn't a great deal, just from my conversations. It's, it seems to be a relatively uh, new thing that, that people have started talking about. Um, but th- those that are looking at it, certainly looking at clearing the current problem. So using software to locate the rot and because once you've located it, you can then do a number of things with it. You can either redact it. So if there is a piece of information that we're holding on Matt, and it's important that we that we hold that information, it's to do with a health condition he has, let's say, but it actually refers to another person within that document. Well, let's redact the information about that second person because it's not relevant. So you can redact data um, so that the documents, the information that you are storing is compliant because it's you're using it because it's necessary. You're not hoarding it unnecessarily, is my point. So you can do redaction. You could do a deletion of that data. So if you do find Adele's album sitting on network drive and you're not Adele's manager <laughs> or, or somebody that, that needs it for some sort of business reason, yeah, then just delete it. Um, and then the, the final thing is you could then also possibly move that data elsewhere. So if you, are, if you do have a load of rot sitting on your very expensive SSD storage and maybe it is obsolete data, so it's kind of, you've got new versions of it, it's been, been replaced, but actually for whatever reason you need to keep those old documents, um, then you can move that obsolete data over to sort of a lower cost storage solution. How would, in terms of you know a solution and technology that can solve this, mm. how how do you design something? I know you've you've worked with tools um, that do this, but how do you? I mean, the one that really stands out for me is trivial data, right? Yeah. Especially the word trivial. It's, you know, that, that's contextual, right? That's mm. that's not necessarily objective. How do you? How can you assess at a technical level what data is trivial? Um, I mean, I think mm. I, I guess all obsolete as well. And, yeah, like the whole. ROT, how how do you how do you locate it, right? Yeah, how do you turn that how do you turn that into like a binary yeah. uh, question? Yeah, you know, yes or no? Is this you know? And sometimes it can't be, but if if you can get a binary answer to the rot issue for seventy five percent of your rot, and then the tw- the, the remaining twenty five percent is then analysed by a person, then great, you've at least cleared a lot of it. Because um, there are some stuff, especially when it comes to obsolete data, that, that needs a decision on. Sometimes it's, of the obsolete side of things, is slightly less clear-cut. Redundant is a nice, easy one. But So the way we're finding it, so we have our own tool called DataBelt, which is a, a data governance solution. And what it's able to do is, using its data crawler, go off and look at all the data that you have within your organization and index it and store it within what we call a virtualized data lake. So you can then ask questions of that data lake, such as find me my obsolete data, find me my trivial data. And what happens during that crawling process is DataBelt will attempt to work out not just like the boring metadata associated with a document, like when was it created, 
what's its file size, what's its file type. That's the stuff that people have been doing for years. You can't, using that information alone, you can't assess whether it's rot or not. Mm. So what we then do is we have a very comprehensive regular expression library that ships out of the box of the product, but you can also create your own regular expressions that looks at text data and works out, well, what type of data are we looking at here? Is it a credit card number? Is it a postcode? Is it a national insurance number? So it analyzes data in, in that way. We also have um, the ability to create AI models of stuff that we're looking for. So, I mean, a, a good example, right, let's say, and this is probably a bad example, actually. If we're looking, if we've got a suspicion that the latest Batman movie is on everybody's hard drives, right. they haven't called it Batman because they don't want people to find it. All you've got to do is upload some images of Batman into, into Databelt, click train, Databelt will then understand what Batman looks like. And when it finds those videos and it ingests them, it'll, it'll look at them frame by frame and it'll be able to say whether you've got a Batman match in there. So you could then have a rule that says, if it's Batman, then it's trivial data. And you could then automatically delete that data as a result. So we, 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 we look at video data and we process it frame by frame. We also look at image data and we use something called optical character recognition. So if somebody's taken a photograph of my credit card or somebody's taken a photograph of my birth certificate, ordinarily, you know, unless somebody's called it credit card data or they've called the file Matt Smith's birth certificate, you, you won't be able to use tooling to work out what is the content of that photograph. But what our optical character recognition does is it, it pulls out um, text string matches from, from within it. So you'll be able to actually transpose the content of that photograph into text, which of course you then layer on the regular expression library to say, right, this is personal information because it contains a date of birth, for example. Um, and then finally, we also look at audio files. So they get automatically transcribed so that, again, you can analyze them using the, the regular expression engine. So once you do that process, you then have a virtualized data lake. Each document within it contains all of its necessary metadata information, like file size, like when it was last accessed, when it was created, etc. Then you've got this really powerful um, tagging on top of it. So beyond your boring metadata, as I like to call it, you've then got these tags such as personal information or credit card information that you then layer on top of it. What you're then able to do is to create queries within Databelt that says, right, this is what my organization defines as being obsolete data, or this is what we define as being trivial. Right. Now, the, the only thing just before we move on to the, what the next steps are then, is, is redundant data is treated slightly differently. It's quite hard to put together a query that defines whether something is redundant or not. So like in my, my example of mm. like, um, <clears throat> let's say, you know, my, uh, I'm creating presentations mm. in my you know, PowerPoint presentations, yeah. and I have all these different versions of it. Would there be a way to, um, for me to, to create a set of rules that allows me to, and let's say I, I'm habitual with this, I do this yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like Chris is always doing this. 
uh, we need a set of rules that, that stops him doing that. Can, can you, would you be able to do that with more complex data sets like that? Yeah, so the, the way we do it is, yes, you could go ahead and actually create your own redundant query. So you could say something like the, the file name contains like v0.1 or something. So you can create your own. But because like redundant checks are slightly different than obsolete and trivial, we, we, we sort of baked this into the app. So when you look at obsolete or trivial data, you're looking at the actual file itself. Everything about that file, its metadata, but also its tagging, tells you whether it's obsolete or trivial or whether it's sort of a gray area. With redundant data, just from looking at that one PowerPoint document, that doesn't tell you whether it's redundant or not. It has to be compared against other documents. Right, the newest version, the new... Right, okay. Exactly, and so that's why it's it's slightly different. We we have that sort of baked into the app, whereby DataBelt can can look at um, what's called the hash value of a document. Yeah. So you know everything about that document is is contained within a hash, and you can therefore basically compare it within the virtualized data, like this hash against another hash. And if you have a match, then then it's flagged as redundant. Okay. Yeah. Now, of course, you you could have a, a document that for all intents and purposes, is a copy or, or a duplicate. Mm. But there might be something ever so slightly different about it, so the hash value is different. But we can we can still present those as, as, as possibly redundant data. Right, so something something similar, uh, I don't, you don't have to give away the secrets, but something similar to something like photo DNA, where, where it's taking into account, it's not identical, but it's yeah. it's it's taking close, so enough. close enough that you can say these are the same exactly. kind of thing. So so it'll it'll use its um, redundancy scanning engine to say this is absolutely a redundant bit of data because then that, that then gets tagged. So so not only have you tagged it, uh, not only do you understand its metadata and you've tagged it with things like whether it's personal or credit card or, or what or financial information. When these um, queries run because not only can you set them up and run them manually but of course you can schedule them they then additionally then get tagged with redundant or obsolete or trivial or candidate for redundant for example so it, it's, right. it's then, less binary it can handle the gray areas you know let's say you create I create a certain filter a personalized filter out what I believe to be redundant mm. material on in my network or my, my storage. Yeah. Is Databelt learning from that in terms of learning to identify the types of things that might be redundant? So, so we can automatically process things based on certain queries. So if it's redundant, automatically delete it. If it's trivial, automatically delete it. If it's obsolete, automatically move it to this other location, for example. Um, or you get the gray areas where it then goes to somebody to check. Right. And they will then say, no, don't delete, or yes, please delete, or yes, move, or whatever. We don't yet have a mechanism for feeding those answers back into the engine to then make it more intelligent. I think it would be incredibly difficult to learn from it because each each document is so unique and different that somebody's right. decision about it can't you really can't then take be fit it, yeah, into a yeah. model. It could be a totally random reason that yeah. it's it's not it's you're you're saying that this one is grey or no, yes or no. Mm. I mean, one one of the things I'm working on at the moment is looking at um, uh, retention periods uh, applied to evidential materials mm. and um, tying in legislation to you know identify what you need to keep and how long you need to keep it for. Yeah. Um, and so this stuff's really interesting for me and really helps me. So I'm going to thank you very much, Matt.
for me and chat with me. Is there anything else you want to add, say? It, it is a relatively new concept, and I don't think people... I think people are aware of the fact that they probably do have a lot of stuff within their organization that isn't necessarily contributing to their goals. But I don't think they understand the benefits that you get from a compliance point of view, certainly from a productivity point of view, but also just a literal cost-saving point of view. So really all I'll say is if you're listening to this and this is all sounding a bit new or perhaps you have been thinking about it for a while but you just didn't know that there was software out there that will help you solve the issue, then please get in touch. I can obviously give you a demo of, of how everything works, but I think more importantly, we can just talk to you about your needs and whether we think an automated solution like Databelt could help you. Yeah, okay. drop us a line. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks, mate. Catch you later. Bye-bye. And that's the end of the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to Data Talks by AIM to have access to the latest episodes. And if you'd like to offer some feedback or suggestions on new topics for future episodes, please let us know at marketing at AIMLTD.UK. Information about our services and products can be found on our website, and that's www.AIMLTD.UK. Thanks for listening and have a great day.